this is it, the final episode of For Such a Time as This. Well, if you have a cracker or a piece of bread and a bit of juice that you can use for communion today or something akin to that, I want to encourage you to grab it before we even begin this podcast. Go ahead, press pause, go get it. You know, Jesus' very heart was that we would remember him by taking communion. And as we look back today at Esther, that will actually cause us to remember our Lord. And you're going to see why in just a few minutes. So go get those communion elements and meet me back here for such a time as this. Hello and welcome back to Storming the Gates, a podcast that celebrates the power of prayer. It's crazy for me to realize that this is podcast episode 21 in our series for such a time as this. And it is the final podcast in this series that I introduced way back October 13th, 2020. You know, after uh, this series is done, I am going to be back soon with some interviews and some podcasts about prayer and gaining control in an out-of-control world. So stay tuned. Connect with me on Instagram or visit my webpage by following the links in the show notes to stay connected and to get notification about the new podcast. Woo! Got some exciting things coming. Well, as I look back at Esther, I saw something really awesome. As I was thinking about it, and I'm going to share that with you in just a little bit. Again, get those community elements if you have have them, because you will see the face of Jesus in what I share. But first, let's finish up this wonderful book of the Bible by reading the final four verses, which is the entire last chapter of Esther, chapter 10. Verse 1. And the king, Ahasuerus, laid a tribute upon the land and upon the isles of the sea, and all the acts of his power and of his might, and the declaration of the greatness of Mordecai, whereunto the king advanced him. Are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of the Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was next unto the king, Ahasuerus, and great among the Jews, and accepted of the multitude of his brethren, seeking the wealth of his people, and speaking peace to all his seed. So Mordecai had a wonderful uh, heritage and a wonderful place in the history of the Jews. And I love what Matthew Henry, uh, a great commentator, said about this. He wrote, Many instances of the grandeur of Ahasuerus might have been given, These were written in the Persian Chronicles, which are long since lost, while the sacred writings will live till time shall be no more. The concerns of the despised worshipers of the Lord are deemed more important by the Holy Spirit than the exploits of the most illustrious monarch on earth. Let me rephrase that in my own words. King Ahasuerus was a great and powerful king, yet the chronicles of his life are lost forever. Whereas it pleased the Holy Spirit to tell and to celebrate Mordecai's story throughout history. And I want to put it even another way. God remembers and honors our spiritual life far more than what is done in the physical world. You know what? There's something the Lord showed me once when, as a new mom, I was thinking, God must be bored with me. I just have such a mundane life, changing diapers, washing dishes, making the bed. So one day I 
asked God about this. I said, Lord, aren't you bored hanging out with me? And you know what? It was as though I heard a loving, fatherly chuckle in my spirit. And then he showed me clearly that he loved being with me to see how I chose to handle mundane things when no one was looking. That was more important than watching what people do when others are looking. He enjoyed when I loved my kids well or how I decided to have faith when money was tight. He was enamored with my day-to-day tasks because he cared about where my heart was. That was as exciting to him, um, maybe even more exciting at times, than people in high places of authority. That was a life-changing revelation. Well, Mordecai became a powerful man, and Esther was an influential queen. We can find a few snippets in historical annals that point to their existence, but what are they remembered for? Well, to me, I feel like they're remembered because they prayed. I mean, yes, yes, they did more than pray. But when I read Esther, what I tend to see is two praying people whose prayers gave them courage and brought deliverance. The base of all of this story was prayer. You might remember something different, and that could be because that's something God is is calling forth in you. So now let's take some time and remember this story. And as we do, we're also going to do what Jesus asked us to do in 1 Corinthians. He said, remember me. Yes, the greatest story ever told, which is the story of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, was foreshadowed in this story. All right, so listen to this. First of all, we saw a queen who was cast from her home because she would not obey the king. Hey, Does that remind you of someone like Adam and Eve cast out of the garden, never to return? Well, then we have a great king who mourns the loss of his queen, and he goes out and he looks for a replacement. Now, the king, albeit Ahasuerus, is very flawed, but God is our king. And what did he do? He went out and called forth a chosen people, a nation unto himself after the fall. And now we see that the Jewish nation in the book of Esther is in Persia because they were taken captive due to sin, just the same way we humans are captive to sin, unless we're freed by our Redeemer. And the Bible says we are strangers and pilgrims here. Our true home is the New Jerusalem. Let's move on with our story. We see Esther, the adopted uh, daughter of her uncle Mordecai, or cousin, (laughs) sorry, cousin, is chosen as the new queen. Well, Esther to me is the church, the bride of Christ, the chosen one, the beloved called out to serve in the kingdom. And then Mordecai, her cousin, who risked his own life for the king, also interceded daily for Esther. His purity and commitment to God draws the ire of God's enemies who plot to put him to death on a stake. Hmm, Kind of like Jesus, right? Sort of a picture of what Jesus did for us. Jesus adopted us into his family, and he loved us. And he was the great intercessor who was persecuted by the religious leaders of his day. And unlike Mordecai's escape from the stake, he was hung on a tree for us. Well, we can't forget Haman. 
a slithery sort of deceptive man. He desires God's people's death and seeks only his own gain. Well, clearly, this is a picture of Satan, the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we know the tables will one day turn on him the way the tables were turned on Haman when he thought he had the victory. And Satan will be punished eternally. Even the chamberlains in the book of Esther, such as Bigtha, they play an important role. They carry the news from Esther to Mordecai and whisper to the king. Do you remember the one chamberlain says, uh, Oh, you know, Haman built that stake to hang Mordecai. Hmm? That could go to good use here. And then Haman ends up being hung where Mordecai was supposed to be. Well, who does that but the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity? He never seeks his own. He stays in the background. He serves. And yet his influence is unmistakable. And even though God's people are living in a foreign land and they are despised by the world, yet through their prayers and faithfulness, they're delivered and they become heirs to the kingdom. Well, we who receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior and accept his gift of forgiveness will rule and reign with Jesus in heaven someday. The Pur, which is why the feast was called Purim, remember? It was like the dice, the lot was cast in our favor. And we have to walk it out here on this earth. But until that day arrives where our deliverance comes, uh, it may require some serious spiritual battles. But in the end, it's all going to be rigged in our favor. The great celebration of Purim is a picture of the great marriage supper of the Lamb, where we'll finally rejoice in the great salvation wrought for us by Jesus. The enemies of God will be gone, and we will live, well, happily ever after. And God's story is the best story. It's a fairy tale. It's a romance. It's an action novel. uh, Even a comedy. All rolled into one. The climax of the story, of course, is the great deliverance that came through Jesus' suffering and death. But he flipped the tables and he rose again. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. Hey, remember, Mordecai was the second, close to the king in Persia. Picture of Jesus. So uh, Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father and he lives to make intercession for us. Just by being there, just by the Father seeing Jesus, he remembers what was done for us. And that alone is a great intercession on our behalf. So the Feast of Purim is an opportunity to remember God's deliverance back in 350 B.C. And in the same way, communion is a chance for us to look back at our captivity to sin and our certain death, but our amazing deliverance through Jesus Christ. Esther 10 shows us Mordecai remained in the king's palace where he continually sought the well-being of the Jews. Hebrews 7 verse 25 says, Wherefore Jesus is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. There's no other way. Come to God through Jesus, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them, always seeking our well-being, always seeking the best for us. So we are going to celebrate Jesus' act of sacrifice that was done on our behalf with communion.
If you don't have the elements of communion, that's okay. Just bow your head and commune in your heart. Let's take a look at Luke 22, verse 19. It says that Jesus took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it unto them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's do that now. Let's take the bread and remember his body broken on our behalf. And then verse 20 says, Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. So let us take the cup right now. The cup of Jesus' blood that represents the New Testament. That we no longer have to sacrifice bulls and calves because he was our great sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. I want to close with a song. Um, I'm not going to sing. Don't run away. I'm going to read your portion of the lyrics, but I want to encourage you to find this song. It's God, You're So Good by Passion. So whatever you use to listen to music, look up God, You're So Good by Passion, and uh, you can play that. Um, but also I want to read you a couple of the lyrics that are just speak about exactly what we're talking about here, remembering what Jesus did. The song says, amazing love that welcomes me, the kindness of mercy that bought with blood wholeheartedly my soul undeserving. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Behold the cross, age to age, and hour by hour, the dead are raised, this sinner saved, the work of your power. I am blessed, I am called, I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. And I love this line right here, this last verse. And should this life bring suffering, Lord, I will remember what Calvary has bought for me, both now and forever. God, you are good. You are a good, good God, who's brought us through so many storms, so many trials, so many difficulties. Even if we are in the midst of one right now, you are there with us. You're with us in the fire. You're with us in the rain. You're with us in the sunshine. Thank you, Lord, that you are with us. And above all, thank you for your life, for your death for your resurrection and for calling us out of captivity into your kingdom as sons and daughters. We look forward to seeing you in heaven and eating the fruit of the vine with you there at the great marriage supper of the Lamb. Hallelujah! 
Alrighty, God bless you. We'll be in touch again soon for such a time as this.